are listening to the Innovo Podcast, a ministry of Innovo Vineyard Church in Wichita, Kansas. To learn more about Innovo, you can visit us online at innovovineyard.com. We hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. Today we're going to talk about, just a little bit about worship. So uh, that's kind of like my home base. And I feel like one of the struggles when it comes to talking about it is that like, there's so many different ways that you can take it or speak about it or elaborate upon it. Uh, so for today, my biggest thing I want to talk about is uh, have you seen the risen Lord? <laughs> That's really it. That's really it. So a few simple things. Uh, worship is not just about the songs we sing here on Sundays. This is an expression here of a lifestyle that's lived throughout the course of weeks, months, years of walks and faithfulness with the Lord. Uh, like when you see somebody worshiping, it's a reflection not just of their day, it's a reflection of their lifestyle. Uh, I, can, I can think back to seeing, uh, even growing up with seeing my parents as they worshiped, and then now getting older and hearing their stories, certain things make more sense when you start to see of the walk that they've had, when you start to see of the faithfulness that God has shown moment in, moment out. So the reason why you can look back and you can see my mom crying back there at times, you can look back and you can see her uh, just, just completely, completely captured by who Jesus is, is because of who Jesus has been uh, for years and years and years. Uh, so it's not just simply songs we sing. It's, it's not limited to just that. It's a life that we live. It's, it emanates through every single action that we do. Your whole entire life should be worship as unto the Lord. Uh, so the music that we use here is simply an avenue or a vehicle that we use to be able to uh, make ourselves more aware of the nearness of God and to be able to meet with him. So uh, one person even put it this way. I said that songs are a place we go. Uh, it's not just, uh, not just things that we come together just to be able to sing in unison. That may not, that's not necessarily the case. But oftentimes these songs themselves can almost become uh, a, a tabernacle or like a, a Bethel, like they say, a marker of points in our lives. And even as we sang some of the songs today, uh, like we sang Come Now is the Time to Worship, which I haven't sang that song in a long time. But even just hearing that song, reminds me of when I was eight, nine, or ten years old at my parents' church way back in the day. Uh, and it's almost like it reminds me of, of seasons of my life where I can look back and I can say, oh, okay. I remember those times maybe when I was, <laughs> when I was five and I didn't, felt like I was lost or when I, was, when I was four and I was sick with pneumonia and the Lord's faith, well, sick with malaria and the Lord's, Lord's faithfulness shone through and that I was healed in that moment. Uh, it, they, they serve as, as points of reference almost too. So, uh, one other quick thought here. Uh, I found a really interesting quote that I mentioned here, too, uh, by a gentleman named E.Y. Harburg. So it says, uh, words make you think a thought, and music makes you feel a feeling, but a song makes you feel a thought. Uh, and it's one of those things where uh, putting melody to words can deepen the understanding of said words. Uh, so, Singing songs, not something that we're just uh, that we just do. There is a biblical mandate, a biblical preference or precedent set for it. Uh, so, if you looked up the Psalms, it mentions forty-one times as we are commanded to sing to the Lord. So, whether it be to sing a new song unto the Lord, uh, 
And even certain things that we mention biblically too, as they talk about when it talks about to worship, and they're talking about uh, physical acts that may apply directly to it. So to worship, thing to like to lay down prostrate, or the words like even there it says like to bless, oftentimes can be translated down to to kneel before the Lord, or, or thanksgiving can be to be translated down to an extension of the hand. Uh, within the realm of worship and the vineyard church that we function in, uh, worship has held a key role from the very beginning. So I'm not sure if you guys know much information about the vineyard from before. Uh, the vineyard church was initially started as basically a small group that was meeting in a, in a basement of a house back in like the 70s, uh, where it was a bunch of people who had been hungry and seeking the Lord, uh, and they had been burnt out from serving in ministry uh, for years and years and years, and they were at a place where they were just broken, and they were just crying out saying, Jesus, we need you. So... <laughs> Uh, what they did is they would meet in a basement and they would just sing songs. So they would sing songs and they noticed that as they started singing certain songs that uh, maybe they would have, uh, they would notice a change that would take place in the room that they're in. Uh, so when they noticed that they were singing songs that were directly sung to the Lord. Uh, so songs that mentioned like, I love you, Lord. Uh, a song saying that, like, Lord, you are good, or Lord, you are faithful. Uh, but songs sung directly to the heart of the Father, uh, that, that they noticed that they became more and more aware of the nearness of God in their meetings. Uh, and the presence of God that was already there became made manifest in a greater degree to them. Uh, their eyes were open to see that the Lord was not something that was distant, that the Lord was very present, that, that in their moment of desperation, uh, that the Lord was right there, ready to be able to meet uh, and satisfy and quench the thirst that they had inside of their souls. Uh, so uh, as the vineyard movement launched, not only that, the, the founders of the vineyard, all, many of them were actually involved in the music industry, uh, and they actually were musicians themselves. So the aspect of music in the vineyard has always been a key and critical component. Uh, as many of y'all know, back in the 90s, it was almost like, it felt like probably half the songs that people were singing in churches came out of vineyard churches. <laughs> so there was, there was really, the Lord just blessed the movement that was taking place at that time. Uh, but because of that, the worship has always been a key component. Uh, so uh, as Greg's been talking about over the last few weeks where he talks about roots and going over certain vineyard distinctives, uh, one of them is to experience the Lord in worship and to experience and worship God. Uh, so they stated here, it says, uh, so worship has always been one of the calling cards of the vineyard. Uh, many people describe their first moment in the vineyard as being the moment in which they encountered God through intimate worship songs. Worshiping and experiencing God goes far beyond singing. In every moment of our lives, we seek to live in the presence of the Lord. At the same time, corporate singing is a precious part of what it means for us to be people of the kingdom. Uh, so one of the worship leaders of the vineyard uh, named Brian Dorkson actually had a quote that I thought was really, really good. Uh, uh, what he stated was, uh, so why do we sing songs in the first place? <laughs> we do it because it's something that we can do together. And there are probably other things that we could do to express our love and our worship to God that would be, in one sense, just as valid, but they're not as easy for us to do together. Yet we can get 10 people, or 100 people, or 1,000 people, or 100,000, whatever number we choose, and we can all get together and sing a song. That song reflects what is going on in our hearts, in our minds, together. There is a truth that we're affirming, but there's also affection that we're expressing. And that's why I think singing is an expression of worship has stood the test of time. Uh, so 
for me as I lead worship and as we engage in worship here, uh, my goal is not to bring the presence of the Lord. <laughs> That's nothing that I can do. Uh, the presence of the Lord is here already, manifest here in the midst of us. Oftentimes the key thing is, are you aware of what the Lord is doing? Are we keying into this, to that Lord's presence and the nearness that he has? Uh, my goal whenever I am here or crafting a worship set or whatever it might be, is to create a space where simple songs can put <laughs> wings to prayers. To create a space where people can gather, create a space where people can meet and they can respond to the love of God. So with this, there's usually five kind of core tenets to worship within the Vineyard Movement. Uh, so as we're creating a space, the things that I think about are this. Uh, the things that I value, well, the things that we at the Vineyard value and I value intrinsically too, really are one, like intimacy. So I think automatically when I think of like, uh, I used to think of intimacy every single time I thought it meant, all right, that means we have to do songs that have to be less than like 70 beats per minute, which is like super slow. <laughs> like it involves me digging out and retching out the depths of my soul before the Lord. Uh, and the thing is, intimacy doesn't necessarily involve that. Just think of like your relationships you have with the people around you. Intimacy doesn't involve necessarily just those uh, maybe sad or quiet moments. It could be laughing at the dinner table together. <laughs> it could be uh, having, having a joyful conversation. Like, there's so many different levels to what intimacy can look like beyond just a simple, slow song. Uh, so they say intimacy happens when one heart chooses to make itself vulnerable to another, choosing self-offering above self-preservation and self-disclosure above self-protection. Uh, so a place where we can see and be seen by the Lord. Uh, the next thing that we ought try to try to keep is to make it accessible. Uh, so uh, my goal here is not to try to create the most elaborate show uh, that we can do, uh, which, I mean, <laughs> we're, we're kind of limited in our resources to begin with, too, which makes that accessibility thing a whole lot simpler. <laughs> but uh, uh, for me, it's never been a thing about laser light shows. I, I've, been to a lot, I've been to a lot of different avenues and places and venues where it, it was aesthetically pleasing. Uh, but at the same time, the nearness of the Lord could not be sensed. Like the, 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 the overarching goal, like the overarching goal of the meeting that was there uh, wasn't necessarily focused on how can I make a pleasing aroma to the Lord? Right? How can I be able to give the Lord the praise that he's due? Uh, so our goal for here is not to impress people uh, with our band. <laughs> or with my individual skills, uh, but to create, as I mentioned before, uh, musical spaces where people can meet with God. Uh, I heard it put one way. It's like, my goal is to be able to say, hey, people, here's Jesus, and then get out the way as you, as you engage with him. Uh, like, my goal is to be able to show you that the God of the universe is right here and present and wants to know you and longs and desires to have communion with you. Uh, so, one other thing, too. Uh, uh, worship that is full of integrity. Uh, so, not just something that looks good or something that sounds good, but also uh, we actually want to be, like, good people ourselves. Like, good. Like, to, to have an understanding and a knowledge of who we are in Christ. Uh, uh, trying to create uh, 
an environment and that's actually culturally relevant. <laughs> Uh, so trying to bridge the past and with the current, with the future. Uh, trying to honor what's come before, but also embrace what's to come. Uh, and also a church that's guided by kingdom expectations. Uh, that when we gather, that we expect every time uh, that each individual as well as our corporate community will have an intimate exchange with God. That we expect his kingdom to break in at any and every moment as he heals, delivers, and transforms us as broken people. Uh, and even just this last week, uh, where we kind of got thrown a curveball, if you guys were here, where uh, we were expecting things to go in one direction in terms of regular service, and fellow the Lord was doing something different. Uh, therefore, we paused, and we, created a, we, we tried to, to help to steward a space uh, where people can interact with the living God. And it was beautiful, even though it wasn't necessarily the game plan. Uh, so... Uh, it's awesome to be a part of a church here that, that's willing to be able to take those steps too. Uh, so man, so one other thing that I, that I mentioned here or that, that, that came to mind even when thinking about worship, uh, I did an internship with a church in Kansas City uh, a few years ago. Oh, gosh, a few years ago. It's like nine years ago. Man, I'm getting old. So, <laughs> but man, uh, one of my, uh, there's a gentleman out there who's like one, basically been one of my mentors ever since then. This guy's name is Steve Jones. And he was teaching us in a class just about worship, and he made this point. Uh, we went around the room, uh, and we'd been there, like I was there for eight weeks. Uh, so it was like week six. And he's like, all right, so you guys, uh, tell me what the pastor preached about last Sunday go. <laughs> so I sat there, stumbled across like maybe one or two key points. It's like, how about the week before that? Okay. That really struggled. How about the week before that? Crickets. Like, it's, it was, there was nothing there. But at the same time, he said, all right, so you do that. How about this song that we sang four weeks ago? And he sang the line. He said, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh my soul. He's like, all right, finish that for me. <laughs> so worship his holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I'll worship your holy name. And he's like, and that is the responsibility that you have in worship. It's not simply just that you're singing songs, but oftentimes the songs that you're singing are the songs that stick with people. Uh, they stick with people more than the sermon does. I mean, oftentimes some of the greatest like heresies that have taken place within the church have been because of songs that took root and planted themselves and diverged the course of numerous people because they were built on false ideologies or false doctrines. And like as, a, as uh, worship has the opportunity to be able to build the theology of a church. Like the songs that we sing have the opportunity to shape how you see God. Uh, the songs that we sing uh, have the ability to be not just a... Uh, not just a, a melody that you sing, but a refuge for you in a time of difficulty, uh, a reminder of God's faithfulness in a time where you might be wavering. And I can think of numerous times where I was having difficult days or difficult seasons, and a song came to my memory. Uh, half the time, honestly, when you guys see me up here and I'm singing random songs that don't have the words up there for, <laughs> it's moments like that where the Lord brings to remembrance a song that I probably haven't sang forever. Like I think this last, this last week at the end, I sang the song called Faithful One. I remember my dad singing that song in the house when I was like five, when we had the old Vineyard Winds of Worship volume 12 album or something like that. <laughs> that was playing in the background. I haven't sang that song in years at all. 
But in that moment, for me, like, I sat back and I was like, gosh, the faithfulness of God. I mean, the faithful one who's so unchanging. An ageless one, you're my rock of peace. Lord of all, I depend on you. And I call out to you again and again. I call out to you again and again that you're my rock in times of trouble. You lift me up when I fall down. And all through the storm, your love is the anchor. <laughs> and my hope is in you alone. Like, my desire as we build these songs and worship sets is that those will be the words that stick with you as you're going about your day, as you're getting bad news about your loved one, as you're celebrating the joyous moments, as you get your promotion at work and you think back on the faithfulness of God, uh, that those songs will be the things that emanate and come out of your heart. Uh, what do they say, like, uh, gosh, the statement about, like, uh, if you squeeze an orange, you should get orange juice out of there. <laughs> that what's internal will, be, will come out eventually. And like my goal is that these will be the things that ruminate inside of your mind. That these will be your safe spaces that you have. That these will be the places that you go. The first places you turn to. So, I know that uh, one of the things for me has been uh, really a point for me uh, in terms of worship and in terms of the direction for our church and the direction just for the church as a whole is, I know for some folks it can seem like a, a foreign muscle to try to access. And then for some people you can look around the room and see that for them it's something that's super easy or second nature. Or maybe you see somebody and you're wondering how they can be that engaged. Because I know like, uh, it can be really discouraging as a worship leader sometimes when you're looking out and you're like, I am pouring my soul out here and it is a room full of stoics. <laughs> but man, but, uh, I know the thing that can transform people more than any song that I can ever sing is for you to taste and see that the Lord is good. Like, uh, I remember sitting back uh, a few years ago and I was watching a live stream of another church. So it's a church down in Dallas. They're called Up Room. Uh, and one of the things that they do every Easter uh, is they have this thing where they have, uh, they have the leaders of the church come through and they have this thing called, I have seen the risen Lord. Uh, so they come forth and they say uh, how they have seen Jesus at work. Uh, over the course of that last year. So you can say, I have seen the risen Lord as I was praying for my, uh, for my sister to get healed from such and such, and the Lord, the Lord brought the healing that she needed. Or I've seen the risen Lord that in this last year we were in financial circumstances, we were trying to find a house or whatever it could be, and I've seen the risen Lord, I've seen his faithfulness in that when we needed, when we needed a breakthrough, it came. Uh, and I feel like oftentimes one of the difficulties when it comes for, for people to engage with worship is not an issue with singing. It's not a singing problem. It's, it's a problem with seeing, uh, to have seen the risen Lord. And like even just going through scripture and seeing, seeing stories of people of what happened when they saw the Lord for who he was. Uh, so here I just want to like go to like Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. Uh, so it says, uh, so this is Isaiah. 
here, actually speaking, in his own book. So, so it says that in the year that King Zaire died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. With two he flew. The one called to, the other, to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. (laughs) So it's amazing as he sees the Lord as he gazes upon him. In the presence of absolute holiness, he realizes who he is, or what he is, or what he carries. He realizes that no matter what his best works have been, they are nothing in compared to the presence of perfection that is the Lord in front of him. Uh, I feel like oftentimes, as I mentioned, it's not a singing problem, it's a seeing problem. Like, if you see the Lord for who he is, you can't help but to be able to acknowledge who you are, acknowledge who he is, and give him the praise that he is due. Uh, so like one other one that came up for me, too, is in the uh, book of Revelations, as, as uh, John, uh, Jesus' disciple, uh, speaks. And he says, uh, Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands stood, stood one like a son of man clothed with a long robe, with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars from his mouth, came a a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun, shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last, the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. (laughs) So, the thing is so wild, even in both of these descriptions. Uh, the concept of trying to describe the angelic with human terms is impossible. You're trying to, you're trying to uh, describe things that are unknowable and unseeable in human terms. So the best descriptions that he had were like and similar to and almost like as or, uh, <laughs> man, but the natural response when he saw him, <laughs> I fell at his feet as though dead. My desire for us as a church, uh, my desire for this congregation is that we can see the risen Lord. To be able to see him and acknowledge him. And I feel like, probably like once a month, one of my prayers I have there is, Lord, I wish we could just see you as you really are. And that's really it. Because when you behold him, like, (laughs) it says for one as we want to grow, it talks about in 1 John, it says when we behold him, we become like him for one. So when we see him, 
then we know what we're aiming for. We know what we're going into. But also, when you behold him, you can't help but become captivated by who he is. And I feel like there's so many people here that that's the reason why you're even here today. I caught a glimpse. <laughs> I, saw, I saw a fragment of who God is. And I just keep coming back for more. I glimpsed his mercy. I saw his kindness. I felt his love that he has for me that knows no bounds, that though yet I was still a sinner, he still loves me. He still chose me. He still called me by name. Uh, and there's a necessity of that. There's a necessity of the gospel to be made manifest within our worship. <laughs> that before you can even worship, there has to be an acknowledgement of who you are and your need for him. And I feel like oftentimes that's the thing that gets lost is we don't see it. We don't necessarily see a need. And oftentimes the response mirrors that. <laughs> that in our country, in our nation here, uh, there is a bend towards self-sufficiency <laughs> uh, that exists, which it's great. I mean, we're blessed as a country that uh, so many things that we need or so many things that we don't need uh, are available to us at our fingertips. So many resources are here. But oftentimes it can be even a bit of a distraction uh, from the core, uh, the core tenets of who we should be as followers of Christ. Our soul dependency should be listed upon him. Our foundation should be built on him and him alone. So even thinking of this, I see a a quote that I, that I read from uh, A.W. Tozer. I'm not sure if you guys know who that is. He was a Christian mystic uh, back in the mid-1900s, I guess I could say mid-1900s now, 50s, 60s. Uh, but uh, he has this incredible book that's called Knowledge of the Holy, which like blew my mind in terms of his description and depiction of who Jesus is and who God is. So here, uh, one of his quotes that he has is, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. The history of mankind will probably show that no people has ever risen above its religion. And man's spiritual history will positively demonstrate that no religion has ever been greater than its idea of God. Worship is, a pure, is, is pure or base as the worshiper entertains high or low thoughts of God. For this reason, the gravest question before the church is always God himself, and the most pretentious fact about any man is not what he at any given time may say or do, but what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like. We tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. This is true not only of individual Christian, but of the company of Christians that composes the church. Always the most revealing thing about the church is her idea of God, just as her most significant message is what she says about him or leaves unsaid, for her silence is often more eloquent than her speech. She can never escape the self-disclosure of her witnessing concerning God. Uh, so, <laughs> I can recall the time when I took a trip back to uh, Zambia and Botswana back in 2017. Uh, and uh, it was interesting. I have, so if you don't know, so my dad's a pastor, and there are eight other pastors in my family. Uh, and 
all the rest of them are back in Africa. Uh, so when I traveled back home, I actually stayed with one of my uncles, who you guys actually, some of you guys might have met. His name is Noah. He comes out here usually every year, but COVID kind of threw some wrenches in that plan. Uh, but I actually stayed with him there. Uh, and one of the things he talked to me about before I came, he said, hey, William, I want you to be able to speak to my worship team about, like, just about worship. So I was like, all right, that's fine. Like, I love worship. I can, I can talk about that. That's fine. Uh, I remember we got there, and one of the first things we did is we wanted to go see him speak at a conference that was going to be uh, in northern Zambia. So it was a 30-hour drive to get up there. Uh, so we drove the distance, got there to the conference. And I don't know, I'd seen my uncle speak here. And he, he spoke here in front of groups of like five or 10 people. We spoke in my small group there. There were like 4,000 people at this event. And I was like, oh, this is, this is far different than what I've seen you, than I, what I, the setting that I've seen you uh, speak at before. Uh, but... The, the authenticity in which he was able to minister in that meeting was just beautiful because the same, the same fire he had here is the same fire he had there. But the thing that really struck me uh, was the worship. I had never seen or experienced or felt anything like that in my life. I had never seen people that hungered for the Lord to that degree. I had never felt... Like, it feels like oftentimes when leading worship, there's, like, layers you kind of have to fight through. Uh, and at times, it seems like it's like a knife through butter. Like, it's just super, a warm knife through butter, just super easy to be able to access the trust of the Lord. And it felt like there was no butter. It's just knife through air. Like, it's just, like, it was just, it was the nearness of the Lord was just so felt and so tangible in those moments. And I remember the first, the first day I sat in the session, and I was sitting here, and I was like, Lord, what the heck can I tell you, tell these people about worship? <laughs> Obviously, I know nothing in comparison to, the, to what I'm experiencing with them leading it in this moment. Uh, and man, it was just the authenticity in which they led. It was just the, the way that they lived their day-to-day lives laying it down. It was beautiful to be able to see. And one of the things I actually wanted to have here too, I added this in last second, which Matt accommodated, uh, I recorded some of those worship sessions. Uh, and it was just like, I don't know. It's some of the most precious recordings that I have like in my phone. It's just audio recordings. I had it like on my phone uh, as I was like crying over here in the corner. I had it sitting on my chair. <laughs> but man, but, uh, I just want to like play just a clip of it. So it's a song, a song that's called You Are Faithful, God. It's super simple. You are faithful, O God. You are faithful, O God. Every day, every hour, you are faithful, O God. Uh, just simple, simple song. But go ahead, man, if you'd be so kind.
so like even just hearing that I can think of just being back in that sanctuary and like looking to my left and seeing my aunt like weeping in front of her chair as she kneeled before the Lord because these songs weren't just songs that they sang like these were songs that they lived like I remember hearing stories about my aunt and my uncle when they first moved to Botswana so like if you go there and visit them now like you'll see like their church is thriving they have doctors and lawyers that go there like they have like thousand people that go to their church with planning out and sending out multiple campuses, getting invited to go and preach at all these different events across the country. They come here to major churches here in the States and they invite him to come over here to share. Like, but that wasn't how things started. Like, them singing this song and seeing her weeping during a song, this song was something that spoke to her when they were first getting started in ministry. When they moved to Botswana, didn't have money to even really get down there. They hitched a ride with somebody and then happened to be able to uh, randomly end up in front of this house where they led this couple to the Lord that night. And that was a place they stayed at the first night they laid. They stayed in the city. They talked about their small apartment they had where they had literally one pot, where they had that one pot and two plates. So they had to cook one part of their meal, put it on a plate, cook the next part of the meal, put it on a plate. Uh, they talked about how they were going door to door to share the gospel to people in the neighborhoods that were there. And my mom, my mom was like, we didn't have money to buy new shoes. So what I do is I have my shoes, they had holes in the bottom. I had to cut out parts of milk cartons to put in the bottom of my sneaker to be able to make sure that the rocks wouldn't get in my shoes. Uh, so when they're singing that song, that's what they're thinking of. That song is their Bethel. Like, as I said, like, if, you, if you know in the Old Testament, it talks about when the people of Israel were being led, uh, through the, through, led to the promised land. Uh, what they did is they would, they would set, up, like, uh, they set up stones. Or even like Jacob, he would set up stones uh, that would take place. So Jacob set up a stone actually uh, when he had wrestled with the Lord. And he set up a stone and said, this is Bethel. And it's that way, whenever people would end up walking back by and they'd see this random stack of stones, like, what's that for? His kids would ask, what are those for? It's like, oh, yeah, that's the time when I'd wrestled with the Lord. It's a remembrance. It brings back a point of memory. And these songs for them were those points of memory where they can look back and see, man, my God, you have been faithful. In those days when I didn't have shoes, you were faithful. In those days when I didn't have pots, you were faithful. In the day now where I have my five children and I'm trying to figure out which direction we're going to go as a church, whatever it might be, the faithfulness of the God is something that has stayed consistent. Uh, that song was a place that they would go. <laughs> oh, man. So, I just know that uh, God is actively seeking worshipers, as he states in John 4, 23. It's a worshipers who worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Uh, there's a book that's by another gentleman called Richard Foster. It's called Celebration of Discipline. And one of the things he puts is that it's the father who seeks and draws and persuades. And worship is a human response to a divine initiative. Those songs are declaring God's faithfulness because he has shown himself as faithful. So my, my desire for us as a church is that even as we come in here, as we come to meet with him, as we come to be able to give him the praise that he's due. That we can even sing the lyrics of the song like, Come Thou Found. So it says, Come Thou Found every blessing and tune my heart. Or, tune thy heart to sing thy praise. That our 
inkling that we have to even be able to worship is something that's given because God has made himself known and revealed himself to us. So, man, so I'll pray that today, as in each day, that uh, we have a chance to be able to see the living God. <laughs> so, the big question that comes across is then, uh, What kind of worship does God call for? In spirit and in truth. I pray that we can walk in that as we go forth. So, uh, here, naturally, to end this, we're actually going to worship. That should do. But uh, here, I just want to pray real quick before we even get into it. Uh, Dear Lord, I pray that you would just open our eyes to see you as you really are. Oh, the great is your faithfulness, Father. <laughs> great is your faithfulness, Lord. Oh, that you never change, you never shift. That, Father, you're not a God who is distant, you're a God who is near. Oh, that you are ever-present help in times of trouble, Father, a strong tower that we can run to. So, Lord, we declare today that we place our hope in you. Father, we give praise where praise is due. Father, we declare that you are worthy of our affection and devotion and our time. Father, you are worthy of a sacrifice of our entire life. <laughs> Lord, not just the songs that we sing, Father, not just, the, not just the words that we say, Father, the work that we do, the relationships we have, Lord, the way we parent our kids, Father, the way that we, that we foster our, our, our careers and our jobs, Father, Lord, every single thing. I should be given unto you, Father. Lord, in every area that we have hesitation, Father, I pray that you would just reveal yourself to a deeper level. Lord, I pray that you would allow us to be able to see you truly. Uh, that, Lord, it would be easier for us to sell all we had to be able to buy the field. <laughs> to be able to go all in for the sake of your kingdom. So, Lord, make yourself known to us today. Lord, reveal yourself. <laughs> make us aware of your presence here today. In Jesus' name, amen.